Uh, if you've got your Bibles this morning, I want to invite you to turn to John chapter 15. We're going to start in John chapter 15 today. And go to John chapter 15 and, and just stick right there at verse 1. Uh, we'll have the text available for you on the screens if you don't have your Bibles with you today. John chapter 15, uh, verse 1. And let me just read a few verses here, if I may. John chapter 15, verse 1. Jesus says, I am the true vine. And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Will you pray with me? God, our prayer this morning is that uh, you would just continue speaking to our hearts. And as we uh, look to your word today, and as we look here, especially at John chapter 15, Lord, uh, we pray that you would use these words of Jesus uh, to encourage us, to motivate us, Uh, to give us some answers about our life, Lord, to teach us about hope, and to give us the strength that we need. And we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want to start off this morning by asking you this question. Where do you get your strength? All right, now I'm talking about in the mornings when you wake up. What is it uh, that gets you going in the morning? Now, maybe for you, it's that first cup of coffee. All right, when you get out of bed until you're able to get to the coffee pot and fill up the coffee mug and get that first cup of coffee, everyone look out. All right, stay out of the way. You know, don't, don't, don't get in front of me. Don't cross me until I get that first cup of coffee. I'm useless. I'm not ready to go. Now, maybe for you, it's just a shower. You know, and you got to get out of bed and you got to get into the shower and you just need to have that refreshing shower. And then when you've got your shower, you're ready to approach life. You're ready to to stand before the children. You know, you're ready to head off to work. You know, maybe for you, it's exercise. You know, you need to get up in the morning and you need to get out and take a walk or go for a jog or head to the health club. And, and if you can do that, then you've got the strength that you need and you can get going and you, and you can make it through the day. But for some of you, there's a, a unique substance of sorts that, that you turn to that's become quite the popular business, a uh, great money maker today. And we just simply know it as things like Red Bull. All right. Uh, you know, the energy drinks. Do we have any Red Bull fans or any energy drink fans in the house? Okay. A few of you around the room. All right, well, there are things like Red Bull, and maybe for you, you know, if you can get a can of Red Bull and you pick it up at the uh, AM, PM on the way to work, you can down this puppy by the time you get to the office, you're ready to go. Or, you know, maybe for you, it's not Red Bull that cuts it, maybe it's, uh, it's AMP, all right, AMP, the Energy Elevate, as it's called. There, there are plenty of them to choose from, you know, maybe it's not AMP. Uh, maybe for you, it's monster. You know, you get your can of, we got a guy over here double pumping his fist. He's like, yep, if I can get a can of monster, uh, I'm ready to go. No problem. Or, or maybe, and I love this one. This one's my favorite, the Mojave Rattler Venom. And, uh, and I love a little bit of the description here on the back, the Mojave Rattler. When you want the energy to succeed, where only the leanest and meanest survive, you need the penetrating venom of a Mojave Rattler. 
All right, the Venom Potency Pack has powerful uh, dose of taurine and then a bunch of words that I can't pronounce and giving it piercing energy that strikes you back. And so maybe for you, it's the Mojave Rattler uh, of Venom or, or maybe, uh, you know, like my buddy down in Louisville, maybe you just need a NOS, you know, to start out the morning. And I just have to say, um, I'm a little bit behind this morning and so I'm going to crack open one of these and... Uh, and I don't know why people drink it, but, uh, you know, I'm ready to go. You know, I've got that immediate boost of taurine and, and ginseng. And so, you know, let's make it a day. Now, wouldn't it be nice if, if all you ever needed, you know, could be found in just a simple can uh, of an energy drink like this? You know, that if you just, if you just got a Red Bull, you know, you'd be ready to go. Or, or wouldn't it even be more fascinating that you could just go up against all of life's greatest challenges, you know, with a simple sip uh, of an energy drink, you know, what, what if you could down a can of Mojave Rattler or, or a can of NOS and, and all of a sudden you'd have the strength to, to share your faith with a coworker, you know, or, or to walk across the yard to a, to a neighbor's house and talk to him a little bit about life, you know, wouldn't it be great or, or wouldn't it be great if that with one sip you could give as generously as you'd like. You know, you'd get all the strength that you needed from that one sip and you could give generously. Or, or wouldn't it be great if you could take a drink and all of a sudden God would start working in your life in a new way and he'd start weeding out all of these bad habits that you might have and you could move forward and put some things behind you. Wouldn't it be great if there was an energy drink for that? You know, that's simple. You just crack it open, you take a drink and you're ready to go. You can meet all of life's challenges. Well, let's not be ridiculous, okay? Because there isn't. You know, there's, there's no drink that can do that for us. And so where do we go? Where do you go for life's greatest challenges? Well, this morning, we're going to take a look here in John chapter 15, uh, in these verses that we just read a second ago. We're starting this brand new series at Genesis today, this series that's just simply entitled, I Am. And over the next five weeks, we're going to be taking a look at these I Am statements that Jesus made. These are statements that Jesus made about himself. And they're found in the book of John. And this series is going to lead us up to Easter Sunday. And I just have to take a moment to say that this is a great time to invite somebody to come to church with you. You know, do you know that most statistics say that if you were to invite someone to church with you, chances are they, 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 they would probably say yes. Now, maybe you tried before and people have told you no, but trust me, that's what the stats say. That if you were to invite somebody to church with you, they might say yes, but especially during a time like this. And so we're really excited about the message that's been entrusted to us as a church. And we want to invite you that during this season, what a great time to invite, you know, a neighbor or a family member or a friend uh, to come be a part uh, of a morning service with you here at church. Uh, you can do that and we'll try and do our part to be faithful to the message that God has asked us to share. But this series is called I Am. And in John, Jesus says, I am this. You know, and, and, and I am this. And, and these statements that he makes teach us something about who he is. And they show us how you and I can relate with Jesus on a personal level. Each of these statements that he makes addresses a vitally important question that at some point in our life we're going to ask. You know, the question that we're addressing this weekend or this morning is, who is going to give me strength? All right, and if you're taking notes, you might want to write that down. The question that we're asking today is, who is going to give me strength? And Jesus will answer this question for us. He answers that I will give you strength. Because Jesus is the vine. Well, let's look at the context of what's happening here in John chapter 15. Because you have to understand a little bit of what's happening around Jesus and his disciples to get a better understanding of what he's saying. 
Now, Jesus doesn't have much time left. And by the time John 15 rolls around, Jesus is spending his final moments with his disciples. I mean, he's got a few hours left before he's arrested and eventually taken to the cross. And as you can imagine, in these critical hours, in these last few hours, words are very carefully chosen. I mean, think about it. If you had a few hours left, I'm sure that you would be very particular and careful about the words that you would say or the things that you would say to to maybe a parent, you know, or or to a family member or to a spouse or, or even to your children. Well, that's what Jesus is doing here with his disciples. He's got a few hours left, and so every word is especially important. Now, back up a chapter. In chapter 14, Jesus and his disciples were in the upper room together. This is where he washed their feet, and they took communion. This is where he taught them about being a servant. And he said these words to them. In a little while, while the world, uh, in just a little while, the world will no longer see me. Now, maybe it was in this moment that Jesus looked directly into their faces and he saw their fear and he saw their terror of being left alone. And he assured them by saying, I'm not going to leave you alone. I won't leave you as orphans. I'm leaving, but I'm not really leaving you. And so the disciples were confused and concerned about what all this meant. Now, here's the amazing thing about what Jesus was doing 2,000 years ago and the importance of his words even today. The amazing thing is that Jesus wasn't just speaking to the disciples, but he was also thinking about you and me, and he was speaking to us too. Because he knows that we will face challenges. He knows that you and I will face challenges and circumstances that, that, that we won't know how to get through. And when we think about the different areas where we need strength, these words become especially important. You know, in areas like, you know, the strength to help us get through what we can't get through on our own. I mean, do you find that to be true? I mean, there are some things in life that we would never have imagined having to to deal with. You know, when it happens, you wonder, you know, where am I going to get the strength to get through this? I mean, Jesus knew that the disciples would face this. He knew it was going to be difficult for them to witness the death of their friend and to endure the the persecution they would face. And maybe you're kind of at that place right now. You know, you're facing some junk in your life. You're facing some challenges in your life that you would never have imagined to have to deal with. You know, you've seen it to happen to others. You know, we've heard the stories, you know, another pregnancy test negative. You know, another job lost. Another night and you have no idea where your, your, your child is. You know, we've all heard the stories. You know, a friend is diagnosed. Your neighbor's house is foreclosed on. A spouse is unfaithful. And you're wondering, how am I going to get the strength to get through this? I mean, I can't do this. I'm not up for it right now. And if it's not now, if you're not going through it right now, it's going to happen. You know, it's only a matter of time before you're presented with a situation that you're going to have to walk through and you're going to ask the question, how am I going to get the strength to get through this? Where do you find strength in those times? Another area where we need strength is strength to help us overcome temptation. You know, everyone is tempted and it takes so much to overcome temptation and and your heart might be right and you may want to do the right thing, but you fall and you stumble because you're just not strong enough. You can't get over it on your own. You know, I can remember talking to college students, you know, at the last church that I was at who, who struggled with pornography. You know, and they knew it was wrong. They knew it was damaging. 
You know, and they were getting frustrated for, for trying to quit and they just, they couldn't get past it. And so they kept failing and, and they wanted to do the right thing, but they couldn't. They, they just didn't have the strength. And it wasn't as if they were evil people. They're not evil people. And it's, it's not like they woke up each day thinking, you know, I want to oppose God today on this. I want, I want to do the wrong thing. But temptation got the best of them. And so where do you and I find the strength to overcome temptation? There's another area where we need strength, and it's the strength uh, to help us do what we should. You know, I, I think many of us have this picture of the type of person that we'd like to be. Do you have a picture like that? You know, you can paint that picture in your mind of exactly the type of person that you'd like to be, you know, just the right friend, you know, reliable, loyal, faithful, you know, just the right husband, just the right father to your children. Well, where do you find that strength? I mean, where do you find that strength to put that thought or that idea into practice? You know, we sit around and we pump ourselves up and, you know, one day we say, okay, I'm going to do it. You know, everything changes today. I'm going to redo how I live and I'm going to do this right. I'm going to call my friend up and I'm going to make the appointment and we're going to sit down and we're going to have lunch together. Or when I leave work tonight, I'm going home. I'm not going to turn on the television and I'm going to sit down with my daughter and we're going to have a tea party, you know, and we're just, we're going to have imaginary tea together. That's what I'm going to do. Or you know what I'm going to do tonight? I'm going to sit down on the couch with my wife and we're going to watch Dancing with Stars, you know, together. And I don't like that show, but you know, that's what we're going to do. It's the right thing to do. Or I'm going to be more patient or I'm going to be kinder to my neighbor. You know, we want to do these things that we just don't have the strength within ourselves to do it. So where do we find the strength to do those things that we know we should? Well, in John chapter 15, Jesus is thinking of his disciples, but he's thinking about you and me too. And these words are relevant for us. And as the disciples emerge from the upper room, they don't know it, but Jesus is leading them to the garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus knows that he will be betrayed, that he will be arrested, that he will be beaten, And that he will be killed. And before all this happens, Jesus looks his disciples in the eyes and he shares his final words. John chapter 15, verse 1. I am the true vine, he says, and my father is the gardener. And so Jesus is going to help us understand. He's going to help them understand what their relationship looks like to him. That he is the vine. And they are, or we are, the branches. And when we are not connected to the vine, we don't have the strength and the power. Because the power of that particular relationship is in the connection. The power of the relationship is all about the connection. The connection between the vine and the connection between the branch. And Jesus wants to make it very clear that there is power in that connection. That there's power in togetherness. And you stay connected because the power comes from the vine. Strength comes from the vine. Strength is not in the branch. Strength is in the vine. So how do we get a hold of some of that strength? How, how do we get each of us a, a little energy drink, you know, to move forward and, and to face those life, life challenges? Well, if you're going to find strength, the first thing that you need to do is to acknowledge your weaknesses. If you're going to find strength, the first thing that you need to do is to acknowledge your weaknesses. I mean, we have to acknowledge that we are the branch. 
You and I have to acknowledge that we are the branch, that Jesus is the vine, and that we are the branch, and that because of that we have weaknesses. We are not the vine. Do you know that one of the most popular questions in an interview is, is this question, what is your greatest weakness? Uh, would, you, would you all agree with that? Ever, you, you've heard that question before in an interview. You know, you sit down, you sit down with this potential employer and they ask, what is your greatest weakness? And it's really a trap question. I mean, it really is. It's kind of a no-win situation for you when you're asked this question. You know, you answer anyway and you're in trouble. You know, if you answer confidently, you're seen as arrogant, uh, and that's not a good thing. If you tell them, you know, what your greatest weakness is, then you take the chance of jeopardizing your, you know, potential of getting this job. So how do you best handle that question? You know, what what is your weakness? Well, monster.com is a job search website, and even on their own website, they, they give some suggestions. They give some advice on how to handle this particular question. And, and here's one of the things that they suggest. When you are asked what your greatest weakness is, just disguise your weakness as a strength. Okay, you've heard that before. You've, you've been coached in that way before. When you're asked a question about your weakness, just disguise it as a strength. And so what would you do with that advice? Well, you might answer the question something like this. I tend to be a bit of a perfectionist so I can be a little bit hard on myself, right? Who's used that before? Come on, be honest. We've got a few of you around the room that have used that, that, that response. Well, according to monster.com, that's what the interviewer is looking for. You know, you might even respond, I work a little too hard at my job, so sometimes my life can get out of balance. All right, you know, safe answer. Well, that's how you describe your weakness. You know, we state the weakness, but then you explain it. Uh, You explain how you get over it. Or you may say something like, I tend to be very task oriented, but I've learned the best way to get something done is in a team, is to involve a team of people. All right. And and so the goal is to admit a weakness, but not a weakness that in any way would affect your ability to get the job. Well, another piece of advice that monster.com is that gives is that you give an area where you're weak in something that has nothing to do with the job that you're applying for. All right. So it might look like something like this, because if you're applying for an accountant, you know, an accountant position, you don't want to respond by saying, well, I've never really been good with numbers. You know, I mean, that's not a good answer. That's not a good response. Don't do that. So instead, you come up with a weakness that doesn't have anything to do with being an accountant. And so they say, hey, what's your greatest weakness? And you say, you know what? I'm not really very good with a three iron. All right. I've just never been really strong at it. And so you divert the attention to something completely different. Or you know what? I don't wear the color green very well. You know, it's just not a good thing for me. This is a weakness of mine, but I'm learning to get through it. And so you come up with some sort of irrelevant uh, answer to, to that particular question. But don't. Don't in any way admit that you are weak. And that's kind of how we approach life. You know, we, we, we're kind of taught to not acknowledge our weaknesses. You know, put, we put up this disguise that we've got it all together. I mean, we walk into this place on Sunday mornings with, with kind of this cover or this shield of, I'm not going to admit what my weaknesses are. I'm going to give the presentation that everything is okay, that I've got everything together. And so we put up this false disguise that we're strong. But we're not strong. You know, and we want people to think we've got all our ducks in a row and that we can handle anything that comes our way. But here's the crazy thing about what the Bible says about weakness. The Bible teaches that when we acknowledge our own weakness, we are in a perfect place to receive the strength of God. 
Listen to what the Apostle Paul writes to the people at the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27. He says, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And he chose the weak things. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. When we acknowledge our weaknesses, we are putting ourselves in a prime place to receive God's strength. I mean, there's so many great examples of this in the Bible. Abraham was old. Leah was unattractive. Moses stuttered. Elijah was depressed. Jeremiah was distressed. Jonah was a coward. Peter could be seen as impulsive. Mary, Martha worried a lot. Zacchaeus was dishonest and unpopular. Thomas had doubts. Paul was in bad health. Timothy was timid. The list goes on and on of God choosing the weak things of the world to shame the wise. And the Bible is full of these examples. That God's strength flows through us when we humbly acknowledge our weakness and recognize his strength. Now, don't get me wrong, okay? Now, I'm not in any way saying that that, that you should call yourself a weakling or, or make yourself weak on purpose because we are already weak. I'm weak. But you and I are the branches. And that's all we are. And on our own, we're useless we're capable of nothing. I mean, we're really just a branch. And I'm not telling you to make yourself weak because you're already weak, but you acknowledge your weakness and you humble yourself before God. And God promises that he'll give you strength. And this relationship between the vine and the branch is so important for you and I to get. I mean, we need to get it right that, that he is the vine. And you and, and God is the vine and Jesus is the vine and we are the branch. And the power and the life and the strength that we need to face anything comes from the vine. There's, there's a grapevine outside of London in Hampton Court that is over 1,000 years old. Now understand that a vine comes up from the ground and it's only about a waist high. And that's it. And some of the branches from this vine in London are about 200 feet long. And as long as they are connected to the life-giving vine, they still bear fruit. In fact, in fact, it says that this particular grapevine bears several tons of fruit every single year. Life and strength, it comes from the vine. And Jesus says in John chapter 15 that He is the vine. That life comes from Him. And that we are to acknowledge our complete dependence on Him. And that's not easy to do. But look again what Jesus says in verse 1. He says, I am the true vine. The word's true here. And what does that indicate? It, it means that there are vines that are not true. You know, that they look like they are life-giving. And, and we think that they will give us strength. That they, we think they will empower us. But in the end, they don't. And so we get into trouble and we try and become the vine. You know, we convince ourselves that we can find the strength that we need from within. You know, and that's what our culture says. Our culture says that you can be your own vine. I mean, just watch daytime talk television for a little while. 
And you'll see that they're trying to convince you that all of your strength comes from within. Or pick up one of the 2,000 self-help books that will be written uh, this year alone on what it means uh, for inner strength. You know, they all say the same thing. You can be the vine. You don't have to be the branch. You can be the vine. Be the vine and that our strength comes from within and nowhere else. But I believe that our strength comes from heaven. And that's what Jesus is trying to communicate here. You know the story of Moses? In Exodus chapter 3, Moses is way out in the middle of, of nowhere. He's, in the, he's alone in the desert. He's a shepherd. And he sees the burning bush and he goes walking over to the burning bush. And God speaks to him from the burning bush. And do you remember what he says? He says, Moses, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go in front of the most powerful man in the world, the Pharaoh. And I want you to tell him to let my people go. I want you to tell him to release the people. And so Moses is kind of freaked out about this. Because what business does he as a shepherd have to go all the way back to Egypt and stand before this powerful man and tell him, you know, that he should let the people go? Exodus chapter 3 verse 11, he says, who am I that I should go to the Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out? Who am I that I should do that? I don't have the strength. But notice that God doesn't reply by saying, yes, you do. You know, he doesn't tell Moses that he is strong enough. He doesn't says that you say that you're gifted enough or you're talented enough. But look what God says in Exodus chapter 3, verse 12. Here's his promise. I will be with you. He just says, I will be with you. And notice that the call did not suggest that Moses was to, to find the strength from within. You know, the call wasn't to, uh, to find you know, strength in his own power. The call was to find strength from above. Be the branch, God says. Just be the branch. Stay connected to the vine because strength comes from the vine. You know, one of the verses that we looked at in the past couple of weeks, Philippians chapter 4, verse 13 says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Uh, the Amplified Version puts it this way. I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses his inner strength into me. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. Now back to John 15 verse 2. Jesus says that he, meaning God or the gardener, cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Now you have to read this verse and you have to read it carefully to understand what it's saying. Because you wouldn't think that God would prune branches that were producing fruit. You know, you would say that he would only prune those branches that weren't producing any fruit. But it doesn't say that. It says anyone who bears fruit, God prunes. You know, and pruning is not a very easy process. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about right here. You know, a careful and a skilled gardener prunes branches that look ripe and look healthy. You know, and when you look at it and you don't know anything about what he's doing, you know, with a gardener, you kind of think that he's destroying a healthy plant. But in reality, you know that the plant will come back in stronger, stronger than ever before. In reality, you know that the plant will bear even greater fruit because it has been pruned. And here's the second thing that I think Jesus is teaching us when it comes to receiving his strength. And that is that we have to accept God's pruning in our lives. You know, and this is a tough lesson to learn. And it's a tough lesson to endure. Because it hurts to get pruned. 
And maybe for you, God is allowing some financial difficulties in your life right now to teach you dependence on Him. Or maybe He's allowing you to endure some health complications right now to just show you that you are weak and to teach you what His strength is all about. And in realization, you discover how much you need His strength. Or maybe He's allowing some difficulties in your marriage or in a relationship right now. I mean, He wants you to learn grace. He wants you to learn patience. He wants you to learn forgiveness. And as tough as it is to understand, these difficult challenges are really an act of His love. I mean, He prunes us. He prunes us so that we will be stronger and that in the end, we will bear stronger fruit. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11 says, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work in you so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And the only way that we will acquire the strength of God and what He wants us to have, the only way we are going to bear fruit in our lives is by going through the pruning process. And it's not going to be easy and it's never easy, but we must accept God's pruning. And I have a friend right now who just lost his job and you know it's been a really frustrating uh, experience for he and his wife and just some desperation and loneliness and and wondering what the future holds for them. And uh, it's really had an impact on his own personal life as far as his his self-confidence, his self-worth, just even a questioning of his calling from God. And and I was talking with him the other night on the telephone, and he was telling me that he ran into a guy a little bit more mature than he and I uh, are. He was a, a professor of ours, and he was kind of explaining the situation to him and just talking about, you know, hey, I can't wait to get to the other side of this and move on. And he said that guy put his finger in his chest, and he says, don't you dare rush out of the valley. Because he says, you know, sometimes God has lessons on life that he wants to teach us in the valley. And so be careful that you don't go rushing out of the valley. You know, and for whatever crazy reason, there's this pruning process that sometimes we have to endure endure, and it doesn't make sense. But God uses these opportunities or these experiences to shape our heart, to get us ready for more. You know, maybe it's to get us ready to serve others. And instead of rejecting the pruning... You know, maybe we would do better to just accept it and to allow God to give us the strength to get through. And the last thing is this. I think the last lesson that Jesus wants to teach here on how we receive his strength is found in just one word. And it's the word abide. You know, finding strength means that you abide. And it's really the key to everything. It's translated as the word remain in the NIV. If you're reading the NIV, uh, you can replace that word remain with the word abide. The word's used 11 times in 11 verses. And it's the entire message today really found in one word. If you could take everything that Jesus wants to say right here before he dies, it would be in this one word. It's just, it's, it's abide. It's the word abide. And it's not an exciting word. In fact, if you're reading it out of of your translation, you'd probably just rush on by it. I would rush on by it and and not take a second glance at it. 
You know, it's almost like telling someone to sit still. You know, it's not very exciting, man. Give us something we can do. All right, give us an action point or something. You know, tell us to suck it up or to to stick with it or get going or to do something about it. But what does Jesus say right here before he heads to the cross? He just, he says, abide. If, If you want strength, just abide. You know, and I tend to think that I must do something in order to receive God's strength, like it's based on production. You know, maybe that it's in the fruit that I produce, but Jesus says no. Jesus says the strength is in the connection. Abide. The branch abides in the vine. And this goes against everything that we're used to hearing. You know, everything that we hear is production-based. If you produce enough work, you'll get a promotion. If you score enough points, you'll start. If you don't, you're going to sit the bench. If your test score is not high enough, you're not going to get into law school. Everything we know is based on production. And because of this, we tend to think that production comes before connection. If I can produce enough in my life, if I can bear enough fruit, then I'll be accepted by the vine and I will receive God's strength. And and maybe you even grew up in a home where this was taught or, or you grew up in a church that was all about production. It was all about the fruit and nobody said anything about the connection. And every one of us has this default wiring in us that says that if we want God's strength, If we want his power, then we have to produce and produce and produce. But connection comes before production. We must connect to the vine. The vine is the thing that gives life. It is our source. And we are empowered through the connection and strengthened so that we can produce. Connection, then production. And it's so important that you and I get this right. It was so important that the disciples got this right. Because Jesus is not attached to us. We are attached to him. Strength comes in the connection. It's about being together. And God is looking for more time with you and me. And when he gets more of you, then he empowers you and he strengthens you to bring more out of you. It's connection and then production. And so here's what I want to do. I want to invite you to just just close your eyes for a moment. Close your eyes for just a moment. And I want you to try and imagine in your mind that point where the vine and the branch connect. Okay, get it in your mind. I mean, that, that's the point where all life-giving nutrients come from and make their way into the branch. It, it's in that point. And the only thing that limits the strength and the power from the vine is the circumference of the branch to the vine. That is the only thing that is going to limit that power and those life-giving nutrients. So focus on that. Focus on your connection. And when we walk in obedience to Jesus, when we worship together, like in this church, when we study God's word together in a small group, and when we meditate on scriptures in the quiet places of our life, when we spend time in prayer, that connection gets stronger. And as it gets stronger, the connection grows and more strength and production flows to us the strength is in the connection it's about being together with god you can open your eyes and that's jesus message to the disciples and it's his message to us i mean jesus doesn't have much time left and here's what he says connect abide remain Stay connected 
abide in me together. And in a few moments when they come to arrest me, abide. And when they beat me and they nail me to a tree, abide. And when you watch me die, abide. And when you ascend into heaven, abide. And when you're persecuted for me, abide. And when your company announces that layoffs are coming, abide. When your car breaks down and there's nothing that you can do about it, abide. And when your spouse announces that they are leaving, abide. And when your kid peels out of the driveway, abide. And when people make fun of you because you put your belief and your trust in me, then abide. Just abide. Stay connected. Be the branch. And let your life come from the vine. I saw a video recently, and and it's maybe a a video that you've seen or a story that you've heard about. It's a story of a father and a son. And together, this father and son team, they run triathlons, uh, the Ironman even. And this race includes swimming and biking and running. And, And Ricky, the son, was born with cerebral palsy. He's powerless on his own. And his father, Dick, really does all the work. And here's what I want you to do. Here's how we're going to close out this time together today. Here's what I want you to focus on. I want you to think about the son's role in all of this. I want you to put yourself in that place and in that seat. Because it's the father who puts him in the boat and then goes for the swim. Two miles. And he gets his son out of the boat and then he puts him on a bike and he rides for over a hundred miles. And then when they're finished, he takes him out and he puts him in a cart and he pushes him on a 26 mile marathon. And I want you to think about what the son's role is in all of this. The son's role is to abide. He sticks with it. It's hot and it's cold, it's rainy and it's windy, but he sticks with it. And he stays with the Father. Abide. And together, they're just one. 